Steps to a Healthier You. Voice America Health and Wellness. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. someone you know has a child with autism in their family, answers and support can be hard to come by. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We will offer practical information for parents of children of all ages, as well as explore treatment topics and recent research related to autism. Now, here is this week's host. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. I am the uh, Vice President of Business Development at Autism Spectrum Therapies, an agency that provides services to individuals on the autism spectrum and with uh, other developmental disabilities uh, across the country. I'm also a board-certified behavior analyst, and as my return listeners and, and my friends know, I've been doing this for, for a little over 12 years now, um, and anyone who turn, tuned in last week, uh, you guys kind of heard how I... I got into the field and how I got started and uh, began my journey working with uh, senior citizens into adults, into young adults, into children, and eventually early intervention. Um, really glad you joined me today, and um, I'm really excited about uh, today's show. I'm, I'm excited about today's show as much as anything because of last week's show. Um, you know, most weeks I host the show and I, I I have a bunch of friends who tune each week. Um, some of them work here, some just friends of mine who, who just like to give me that moral support. And I, I usually don't ask what they thought. Um, you know, they usually give me their own feedback and I let them come to me on their own at their own time of, you know, what they thought, what they thought I could have done better. But I usually don't go seek it out. But last week I was, I was really excited. Um, you know, I waited until the date the show aired since we, we pre-recorded that one. And I, I went to my friend right away and I said, what did you think? And it's just cause I, I loved it. I, I don't know if you guys could tell, but I was having so much fun. Um, because I, I go to these conferences and I get this opportunity to, to hear the speakers and these, uh, great academics or these great, uh, providers of service talk about what they're doing what their research is and it just hit me probably the day before we recorded with mary jane that i get 45 minutes to talk to this person about anything i want she's here at this conference speaking to a little over a thousand people and and i get her one-on-one for 45 minutes to pick her brain and that I don't know. I, I, I've always have that. I have that every week, but I really, it, it clicked for me. And it was just, um, just an exciting moment, an exciting experience where I really felt very fortunate that I get to host this show and, and get to bring this show to all of you because I, I get to 
pick these experts' brains and, and hear what they say and, and truly learn a lot too. Um, and I wanted to make sure I, I gave you guys some more follow-up because there are some really some great points that um, I want to make sure really uh, came across. Um, you know, some information we gave you at the tail end. Uh, I know we weren't able to give you the exact email address, or sorry, the website address for the Association of Professional Behavior Analysts. Uh, it's a really great organization. It's geared to people like me who are in the field practicing ABA. But I think it's really good for parents as well. There's a lot of great resources, as I mentioned, such as like the different uh, companies that have a self-insured uh, ABA benefit. Um, so their website is www.apbahome, so that's all one word, dot net. Um, again, they're the Association of Professional Behavior Analysts. And Mary Jane also gave us another resource, which I, I highly recommend, which was for the Association for Science and Autism Treatment. Um, as I mentioned at the tail end of the show, um, I have had a lot of good results uh, referencing that group, um, referencing some of the research that they list when I am making an argument with a funding source as to uh, the empirical validity of ABA therapy and why it works and, and the research behind it to show that it works for kids with autism. Um, and their website is www.asatonline.org. So two great resources I want you to have. Um, but the thought that has been bouncing around my head since the show was actually about some of the research that Mary Jane is just starting to do um, and was sharing with us at the tail end uh, in our final segment. And she was talking about that assessment tool. She's working on that assessment that says, how is, or what is going to be the mess means of communication for this individual? So at the assessment's purpose would be to say, I think that this child, we should focus in on expressive language or this person talking. I think that sign may be the best mode of communication. I think that text or maybe uh, they were adding the iPad and voice output technology into that. And this assessment would be something done at the beginning of treatment to identify the what they thought or what the assessment determined to be the best um, mode of communication. And one of the conversations that's been starting to come up quite a bit, and it's a conversation I literally had probably three days after the show, was we really need to do more research as to what treatment is going to be best for this individual? You know, this is an autism spectrum. There is, you know, it's, it's, we're unique snowflakes. These, everyone is unique. Everyone is different. Everyone has their own traits. And we talk about individualization of treatment a lot on this show. And it's something I, I strongly believe in. It's something that I really got exposed to early on and see and have seen the benefits. Um, but how do you individualize? And all the tweaking and all the maneuvering, it, w it would be great to have a tool that says, you know, these are the characteristics that are really great for an intervention like self-management. Can we do an assessment up front at the beginning of treatment to help us identify for a person, hey, this person's a great candidate for self-management right away. Or this is the type of intensity that this person needs. You know, right now, recommendations for how many hours of therapy are needed are, are somewhat subjective. Um, there's plenty of science behind it, but it's based upon an assessor, 
a professional opinion, but can we have more finely crafted tools to give guidance of, no, this kid really needs 35 hours a week. No, this kid really needs 20 hours a week. No, this kid really needs 40 hours a week. But having more sensitive and defined assessment tools to help us identify what are the personal characteristics that are associated with the best treatment outcomes or what are the best treatments to help match someone's individual personality, behaviors, um, functioning level, the, all these different factors. So I think it's really exciting what, what Mary Jane was sharing with us because I see that as, as one of the first steps for this. Um, what I'm telling you guys and what I'm sharing is really complicated and really hard. And I think even if we all started doing this right now, it would, it would take us quite a long time to have the types of tools that, that I'm talking about. But it's time for us to start thinking about it. And I think it's going to lead to better treatment. And uh, I know a lot of colleagues out there, a lot of people believe it's also going to lead to better opportunity, uh, especially when we look at funding from uh, insurance, through state mechanisms, through schools, just because there'll be more research to back up ABA, to back up autism treatment. Um, but what I'm talking about doesn't have to be just for ABA. It could be for other methodologies as well. You know, research is a good thing. Research is really what allows the funding to be there. And it, it should continue to be a big focus of, of what we all do, um, whether it be us as researchers, us as contributors, us as collaborators. There's a lot of ways we can be involved or, or even actually as fundraisers. So just something for all of us to think about and, and something if you can you know, keep your ears open for And there's a lot of great organizations such as the ones I, I shared with you at the top of the show that I think can uh, keep us all in the loop as to what's going on out there and how we can get involved. So now let's get to the show. Um, I, I don't have a guest today. I actually uh, look at you as my guests. Um, we, the last few weeks, I've been asking you guys for questions, comments, thoughts, and uh, I appreciate everyone who has emailed um, and posted things on Facebook. I know that's the more, the easier and probably the most common uh, way we've been getting input from all of you, and, and I really appreciate it. Um, and so I wanted to kind of do a, a kind of a mailbag show. Uh, spend a show actually answering and responding to some of the questions. And what I did is to really get a, 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 the most rounded out uh, and sense of topics to start, I actually went um, to a lot of the BCBAs I work with here at uh, AST, or Autism Spectrum Therapies, and asked them for some feedback of what are some of the common questions they're getting from the parents that they work with? What are some of the common themes that are coming up? Because I really wanted to get a really diverse pool to give you guys as much diverse information as possible while still meeting uh, the broadest need. So uh, this is our first mailbag, and I'm going to keep this going on an ongoing basis because I actually really enjoy it, and the feedback I've gotten so far is that a lot of you out there do too, and that there's a, a little smorgasbord of everything for us to, to talk about. So we're going to go to a commercial in a couple minutes, but before I do, I'm going to squeeze one one question in um, that actually came up a lot from the BCBAs that I work with here at AST. Um, a lot of people were asking about transitions, and they were asking about what happens, what should they be looking for when services are about to end? 
And I think that's a really tough topic. You know, we, we've had a lot of guests on the show, professionals and parents, and they talk about the relationships that get developed. You know, I, you spend a few years working with a child, working with a family. It is natural to have a, a close relationship, a close bond, a close trust. Um, even if it is a professional one, there, there's a connection. And, and that's what some of the things I love about providing services in the home is I really get to know the whole family. And they really get to know me. And we really develop that trust of we're in this together to put the best program and meet the needs of, of this child but what happens when that's going to end? And that and that's hard. I know that's I've had a lot of times when that's been hard for me, but a lot of parents have commented it's been hard for them. And you know, the first thing which seems a little bit like a I guess a clinical cop out to me at first, but is really true is that's why I stress the parent participation. You know, we've talked in the show about parent education, parent involvement, and, and that's a big reason is you know, funding is only going to last so long. And fingers crossed, God willing, funding isn't even the issue. It's that your child has made so much progress that you don't need me. And by being part of therapy from day one, even if it's just to know what the program is, know what the goals are, know how you can support it when, when the therapist isn't around, you can be more prepared, more involved, more ready for that transition, more ready to say, hey, I got this, because you've been exposed to it. Um, but other things to look for is don't pull the rug out. You know, I think a lot of times families think, okay, ABA is ending, so I'm just going to go into nothing. And what I actually recommend a lot of families do is look for activities that can maybe be replacements in the schedule. So... ABA is ending, but maybe the days and times that ABA was happening, the child can be participating in a karate class, uh, sports, a club, and maybe start to introduce that before the ABA ends. So I've had some families who will introduce these different clubs. I'm, I'm thinking of one young man in his karate class in particular, where we introduced it probably about two, three months before the services ended. And we even did some overlap time there to help him transition into it. And then he ended up doing karate for years after that. So having some other activities so you can keep a pretty consistent schedule in place is another good way of looking at it. Um, and then just another quick idea to think about is it's not over. Just because you end, it doesn't mean it's forever ending. So we've done some fade-out plans where it's been a, a monthly check-in for a couple of months after the direct services fade out. So maybe it's the BCBA checking in with the, the parents and the child. Um, maybe it's an every other month thing. Um, but as I've shared on the show, I have a lot of families who, because they've had an, a regular dialogue, a regular check-in, or just felt comfortable knowing that they could, it's been very easy to resume therapy three, four years later as a new issue starts um, up or they're, new goals or new uh, challenges facing the family. Um, so a couple of quick ideas there, uh, but I really encourage you guys for that first one of creating some other activities because there's so much structure to ABA that ending the structure of this after-school program um, and then just having no activities to fall back to could be a really big 
um, adjustment for your child, uh, going from structured, regular activities to kind of being on their own, trying to find their own activities. All right. Well, we're going to take no more questions now and, and head to a commercial break so I can get into the next uh, group of topics that you guys have, uh, have asked for. Uh, so we'll take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back after this. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio, everyone. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Uh, It's just me today. I'm just... Doing a mailbag show, answering your questions, um, and trying to go on to a lot of different topics that you guys have posed on Facebook, as well as uh, a lot of the families that we work with here at AST have uh, asked me to bring up. So we just talked about transitions um, when uh, home therapy uh, is ending. Um, so I'm thinking, why don't we go to another kind of, I guess, transition topic. And, and one of the things that I like to do towards the tail end of home therapy is actually uh, really encourage families to do a lot more community outings. Um, you know, I said on the show before, and I, I tell everyone I work with, uh, it really doesn't matter if the child does it when I'm here. I really care if the child does it when I'm not here. It, it, that's the key. It's generalization. And one of the best ways to really generalize in our true uh, purposeful way is to make sure things are generalizing to the community. And we've had guests on the show talk about it. I think for me, the most memorable being Peter Gerhardt, who's always said, you know, if you want to work on purchasing at McDonald's, you got to go to McDonald's. But that's easier said than done. Um, I've worked with a lot of families, and and one of the things that um, I've heard a lot from all of you and, and also from our parents is it can be a little embarrassing. It can be a little hard going into the community. So the question was really about how do I set up a good community outing um, when I have these feelings? And, you know, I'm, I'm, I think of this one case um, and this one parent who, you know, I still keep in touch with and I still have a great relationship with. And, and this was the issue we were facing. Embarrassment, challenges in the community. Um, her son was a real handful in the community and he had a lot of behaviors and, and he was a handful for me when I went with them. Um, and that was really 
making a lot of anxiety for mom when we were trying to plan our first few outings. And it, it was really difficult. And she even said to me, she's like, I feel like this is too stressful. I can't even plan this, let alone go and do this and have everyone watching us. So what we did is we came up with a plan um, that was very slow. We, we picked one spot and we picked a spot that was going to be really functional for her child, but also was going to be uh, less intimidating for her. So we wanted to work on uh, going to stores and purchasing, and we particularly wanted to go to a bookstore. But rather than go to the bookstore that you know everyone in town goes to, we drove a little bit further away, and we went to this kind of like bargain liquidation bookstore. Um, and it was probably the best decision we could have made on so many levels because no one was there. And we were able to really just kind of do our thing, not get distracted by all the different people who were in there, and really just focus in on the purchasing part, or in this case, the not purchasing part, because it was the tolerance of not buying that was a challenge. And that was really helpful. And then by the time we went to the real bookstore, you know, the mom was like, oh, I'm ready for this. Let's go to Barnes & Noble. Let's go to Borders. Uh, I know I'm dating myself because there really isn't any Borders <laughs> anymore. But it was easier because we already done it. So she wasn't trying to do this whole new program in a place that made her uncomfortable because she wasn't going to run into anyone that she knew there. Um, there was a lot less people there, so there was a lot less eyes because it was by no means the cool bookstore. Um, and for me, clinically speaking, it was actually better because I got to kind of build up the challenge. This was a lesser challenge for the child compared to Borders because there was less books. The books were not as cool. They were not as challenging. But I got to build up a really good routine. Um, the other, uh, another situation that comes to mind uh, with a different parent, a different circumstances, was was a, really the same thing. It was identifying places that make sense. Um, and we also tried to identify places where maybe there would be other people who had children on the spectrum. So one of the best places that I recommend is the library because there are so many kids with special needs at, at every public library I've ever been to that there was actually a good embracement that there was another parent or two there who were actually rather than look and make the parent I was working with self-conscious actually offered to help or didn't even offer, but just kind of naturally knew, let me get out of the way. Let me give these guys some space. Um, so finding some places where there are some other parents who have kids on the spectrum is also another great place to start the community outings. Um, I really find from the feedback my parents have given me is that once they start in these few initial spots, every outing becomes easier and easier and easier. So I really recommend trying to tackle them in these kind of more defined or, or more thought through locations. Um, the next topic is, is one that I think is probably from what I've seen the most common. And I've seen at least five different Facebook posts over the last two weeks, all asking about aggression, all asking about severe behaviors that you guys are seeing exhibited by your children and, um, it's something I know I've talked about. I've been posting a lot of video blogs about, and it is incredibly complicated. Uh, so you guys know, you know, the thing, the part of my story I didn't go into last week is I actually 
when I went to uh, Massachusetts, when I moved there, I got hired to work with 15 to 22-year-olds who had severe, uh, aggressive, and challenging behaviors. And um, that's probably my favorite favorite thing that I did was getting to experience that and getting to work there. And it's an experience that I draw from when I work with my clients all the time. Even for my kids who aren't aggressive, it's just um, – it was really invaluable. And um, the thing that I learned early on there and that I continue to realize is you got to have a good foundation of why is this behavior occurring? What is the function? And I know a lot of parents have said to me, it's really, really frustrating when I tell them you need to do an assessment and determine the function first. Because I get it. You want help immediately. And me telling you, well, you need to do another round of tests or another type of assessment after you probably have already had a ton and are hearing me say, I'm going to delay treatment. I'm going to delay help. That's frustrating. I I get it. And I I agree with you. Um, But it's so important for me. I need to know what's going on. I worked with a young man who had been engaging in some pretty severe self-injurious behavior. And what he would do is he would get frustrated, he would get angry, and he would bite his hands and his arms. And he had been doing this for about eight, nine years by the time I met him. And there was a lot of just scarring and uh, just bruising on his arms. And it was just pure frustration and he was the sweetest sweetest kid and his family was one of the sweetest families I've worked with they were amazing but they um, they were convinced and everyone who who had been working with this kid was convinced Rob he's doing this because he doesn't want to do the work this is an escape behavior Uh, for anyone who's new to ABA there's four functions of behavior in the ABA science Um, attention escape, tangible, or sensory. Um, and I, as I say this, I feel like I need to give you guys another show to get into this. But this is pretty, pretty foundational stuff of ABA. And they all told me it was escape. It's escape, it's escape, it's escape. We've done the assessments, we've done this, we've done this, we've done this. And um, I was new to the team, and there was a lot of folks who had already been working with him. And uh, I was assigned to work with him actually in the school, And as I started to get to know him, I realized this function is not escape. It was tangible. They had misidentified the function of his behavior. And when I went in there and re-identified the function, I actually rewrote his behavior support plan and his behavior intervention plan. And it was amazing. The first week was tough. But in week two, we immediately saw the behaviors go down. And they went down to the lowest levels they had seen in at least six months. Now, they were still high, and they were still too high for me and for his mom. But we saw the first decrease and the lowest levels in so long that we knew we were on to something. And we actually, when we fast forward a few months, we got his behaviors down to where they were happening probably about once or twice a school day, if that. Now... What I forgot to tell you guys is that when I met him, these behaviors were happening about four to 500 
times a school day. So we saw some huge progress in a relatively small amount of time, but it was because the function was off. So when you have this function, and when this function or this assessment is done by a behavior analyst who really knows what they're looking at, knows how to identify this, now you have something. Um, one thing I want to do for you in, in a future show is actually bring on uh, a past guest, uh, Michelle Wallace. Uh, I actually bumped into her last week, and uh, she's agreed to come back on the show. Uh, and you guys know her as a feeding expert, which she is, and, and I love the show she did. Um, but she's also amazing at assessments, and she's amazing at working on an assessment for individuals who have severe behavior, and she's one of the people who, who taught me how to do it and refined my skills in doing this. Um, and I know her um, mentorship actually helped me a great deal. Um, the lessons I learned from her is, I think, how I was able to really look at this child and, and work on his severe behaviors. Um, but I want her to come on and talk to you guys a little bit about some specific assessments um, if you have gone down this path before. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have her come on and talk a little bit about functional analysis, which is the real assessment and something that I think will be a new topic to you guys out there, but a really, really important one. All right. Well, we're up against another commercial break, so we're going to go to break and we'll answer more of your questions. Stick around. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Are you looking for a 21st century first aid kit? You don't have to suffer nor take on the increasing expense of health care. Tune in to Good Vibrations. Catch the wave to better health. Your host, Lynn Waldrop, will show you how many common and even uncommon aches, pains, and ills can be remedied through sound, color, and light. While it may sound like these are new concepts, believe it or not, these are actually ancient methods that still make sense today. Create a healthy life. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt, and I'm answering your questions today. Um, went through Facebook, went through our emails, and uh, even went into the field to talk to our BCBAs and our parents and say, what's on your mind? What can we talk about? What things are you asking? Um, and one of the... Um, one of the things you're asking about are other therapies. You know, I'm a BCBA. Uh, I'm an ABA person. And, um, you know, one of the things I love about a show like this is I get the, to be the ABA nerd who talks about the science that um, I really believe in and get to share some of my stories and experiences um, that just have meant a lot to me uh, to help you guys learn and uh get ideas for how you can maybe better help or better design programs for your kids. Um, and the questions we're getting online are about other therapies. You know, one, one parent asked us about, well, what are your thoughts about dolphin therapy? And what are your thoughts about, uh, horse riding and using that as a therapy? Um, and you know, obviously I'm an ABA person and I'm a research person and I'm all for, putting together therapies that have research behind it. And I know there's a lot of stuff out there, and a lot of the, the big debate is research. Well, this doesn't have research behind it. This isn't empirically validated. That isn't empirically validated. And, um, and that's challenging. And as a BCBA, you know, we're supposed to recommend empirically validated treatments. All that being said, um, we're talking about people. And... You know, I, I I remember specifically going to uh, this event in uh, in Malibu a bunch of years back, and it was put on by the Autism Society of Los Angeles and Surfers Healing. And anyone um, who's heard of Surfers Healing knows it is a, a really amazing, uh, really really amazing group, and it's um, basically professional surfers going out putting on events for kids on the spectrum. And they go out and they go surfing. And it is so cool. You have professional surfers. You know, one guy's on the board. One guy's to the right of the board. One guy's to the left of the board. And it is, you know, watching this in action, it is so safe. It is so great. And I've never seen this many kids with smiles on their face that big. And I don't mean kids with autism. I mean kids. The kids loved it, and I got to see one of my one of my clients at the time there, and he came running to me as fast as he could, yelling, "Rob, Rob, 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 Rob! Did you see me? Did you see me? Did you see me?" And I had never seen him that happy. He was so proud of himself too. So, you know, we we look at these therapies, and and I don't know, I don't know enough about them to say yes, you should do this for your kid, or no, you shouldn't do this for your kid. Um, and I, I'm not in your shoes. I don't know where, where you're at. You know, there's, there's a lot of different things that are recommended, and, and I can tell you that on a scientific research point of view, they're not for me. But I'm not you, and I'm not your family. I'm not your kid. And at the same time, I respect any family or any person who says, I need to give this a try to see what's there. Um, I, I tell everyone to be cautious, go open, go into this with open eyes and, uh, ask questions, ask good questions, do your research before you start something, but there may be value to this and it may not be this value we think about from the standpoint of a cure or 
from the these monumental gains. But just like this surfing event, I know there's value in my client running to me with this enormous smile on his face asking if I saw him. I know that helped him. I know that that was a benefit. I saw something that he enjoyed, and we were able to actually use it as a reinforcer in his ABA program down the road. We were able to uh, get him to do and exper- do some other experiences because he was a little nervous in the community in certain social settings. Um, because of this experience, he was open to willing to branch out a little bit more. Um, was it the surfing? Was it the ABA? Was it something else? I don't know. And, and you know, I, when I look back on it, I, I don't look to see exactly what it was. You know, I. I I just think, remember the moments and uh, the progress he made. So the, the best advice I can give to any family out there who is asking about dolphin therapy or surfing or horse riding or, um, or, or something else um, is just go into it with, an, with open eyes. Be really objective and ask objective questions. And don't be intimidated to ask, you know, do you have any research? Do you have any literature? Is there something I can read to show the validity behind this either? Um, because I think all these are important questions to ask and to examine when we're talking about your child. All right, let's go to uh, a little bit of a different direction. Um, One question we got was, are there times or places when it's okay for my child to flap? Um, So I guess we're dealing with someone who's engaging in hand flapping, which... I think uh, for anyone who has a child on the spectrum or works with kids, we probably have seen this a few times. Um, you know, I say yes. I, um, I've told you guys before, I'm a chronic nail biter. I bite my nails like, all day long, and I've literally been doing it since I was born. They had to put those gloves on me because my hands were just all over my, my mouth and uh, – literally the day that, that I was born. And, um, you know, I, I had this experience where I worked with this young man who was in high school who he did great. He, he, was, he was amazing. He was in inclusion classes. He really worked hard in school. He did well academically. And he had worked really hard to get there. And when he was in school, he really kept it together. He focused on social skills. He focused on his academic skills. But when he came home, went right to his room, locked the door, and basically engaged in his self-stimulatory behaviors for a good 45 minutes to an hour. And what we learned was that that was him coping. That was his coping mechanism. That was him keeping it together. It was, I have kept it together in this social realm for so long, all day long, and now I just need to let it out and let it go. And then I'll be able to keep it together again. And I went and tried this with a couple of other kids where we, we kind of came up with rules. Um, rather than say this behavior, whether it be hand flapping, um, whether it be we have one guy who had some repetitive talk and wanted to talk about one topic and only one topic. Um, and we came up with rules of when is it okay and when is it not? And it was so much easier for him to discriminate and determine, okay, this is a good time versus this is a bad time and accept that versus black and white, you can never say this, you can never do that. 
Um, now we came up with the rules as a team. I didn't write them and say, here, mom and dad, you must follow these. We actually, I sat down with his parents and we wrote the rules together. Um, but it ended up being a huge success because it was unrealistic to say, you can't do this. It, it wasn't hurting himself. It wasn't hurting others. It just was one of those self-stimulatory behaviors that we see when we're working with kids on the spectrum. And um, for him, it, it was soothing. It was actually more stressful and more difficult and led to more problems when he didn't know he could let it out or talk about some of these things versus knowing I'm okay in two hours, it'll be okay for me to do this. Or when I sit down and have my snack, it's okay for me to talk to my mom about my favorite topic. Um, things like that actually made it a lot better. And it actually decreases anxiety. And what we found was that we were even able to put certain things on calendars and create schedules and um, checklists and task lists and incorporate this. So he was actually able to completely self-regulate this himself. So I think there are times, but I think it's all about making sure that there are clear discrimination um, or differentiation between the when it is and when it's not and having very, very consistent, very clear and very regular rules about it. We can't change the rules willy-nilly. We want it to be as regular and consistent as possible. Um, okay. Going through my list of, of what you guys have asked for. Um, I see one question that I'm definitely not getting into right before our break, but I will in the next segment. Uh, why don't we go with this one? Um, I got a question um, from uh, one parent that I bet a lot of you are asking, um, and it was, what is a BCBA and how do you get it? Um, and then someone else has said to me, I've never actually covered this on the show before. Uh, but as you guys know, I'm a BCBA. I'm a board-certified behavior analyst. Um, what is really great about the BCBA, um, it's overseen by a national group which is the BACB, or the Behavior Analyst Certification Board. Uh, they're based out of Florida, and they have three tiers. They have a, a bachelor's level tier, they have a master's level tier, and they have a, a doctoral level tier. And uh, most people talk about the BCBA, or, or, or a BCBA, which refers to the master's level tier. So I'm going to focus in on that for the most part, because that's really what t who typically will supervise uh, an ABA program. And to get a BCBA, you need to obtain a master's degree. And the degree needs to be in ABA, psychology, education, uh, or a related field um, of study, which is approved by the board. And what they've done, which I think is really smart, is they have worked with a lot of universities to set up pre-approved master's programs. Um, so what this means is they already the program is already has its course sequence approved because the other part that you need is on top of having a master's degree, you need to have a certain number of courses that cover specific topics. So what you'll find is approved programs to get your degree. Like I got mine from uh, Cal State Los Angeles, which has um, one of the older pre-approved programs and, and a really great one for anyone interested in it. I recommend it. Um, but then there's also pre-approved course sequences, meaning you've got a master's degree, but you don't have the courses yet. So you can go to a program like National University um, and they have the course sequence 
that they offer, which you can sign up for and take all the classes necessary. Then after that, you need to have a certain number of hours of work supervised by a BCBA. So that means someone had to actually supervise me in the field providing ABA to individuals. Now, it doesn't have to be individuals on the spectrum. It could be anyone. But I have to be applying the science of ABA and have a BCBA supervise and sign off that I am doing a good job in adhering to those principles and applying their supervision, guidance, and feedback appropriately. Now, after that, I have to go sit for an exam. And it's an exam that covers a ton of information, a ton of content that really spans the science of ABA. Um, and that exam is, generally speaking, um, most master's degree programs will take you about two years. The coursework um, is generally takes about a year. Uh, it generally takes about a year to get your hours um, from someone supervising you, and then you take the test. So even if you're able to do everything simultaneously, like I, Cal State LA had the coursework built in. My master's took, uh, actually took three years, but it could have taken two. I had my supervision while I was in my graduate program. The soonest I could have gotten this done is two years, but it could actually take you as long as four to be able to do all of this. So there's a lot of training. I mean, one of the things that the BACB or the, the board of, uh, that oversees this is doing right now is they've actually rewritten some of the regs. They've made some of the supervision requirements a little bit more stringent. And now, which I'm really a big fan of, is that they're actually um, making uh, BCBA supervisors, people who are going to supervise BCBAs uh, or people trying to get their BCBA, they're going to have to take some courses too and almost get credentialed to say, yes, I am qualified to supervise you to become a BCBA, which I think is a really good thing. Um, if you want to learn more about them and about the BCBA, you can go to um, the uh, BACB's website, uh, www.bacb.org is uh, the website, I believe. All right. Well, we got one more commercial break, and then we're going to come back with a last segment uh, to answer some final questions. We'll be right back. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. 
If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We're here to at our final segment of Autism Spectrum Radio. Uh, I'm Rob Haupt. I'm your host, and I am taking your questions. Um, Rather than put the pressure on all of you guys to call in, I thought the mailbag would be a more fun and uh, stress-free way for everybody. Um, this is our last segment, and I figured I'd save uh, a, a tough one um, for last. And got this question a lot, and I got this um, from a lot of different sources. And, and they all kind of ask essentially the same thing. How do I tell a friend a family member, a loved one, how do I have the conversation that I think their child may be on the spectrum? Um, and, you know, it, it's such a tough thing for me to answer and, and it's a, such a tough conversation to have. I was even a little nervous uh, giving you this answer and talking about this on the show um, because it is tough and uh, it's something that I, I have experienced in the past and I've had to do and uh, I wish I could say I did it perfectly, but I know I didn't. Um, I, I don't know if there is a perfect way to do this. Um, you know, the, 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 the best advice I can give to anyone out there is to truly come from a place of love. Um, I, I work with this guy who is not in the field of autism, although his daughter is. Um, I work with him in more of a, a professional uh, mentorship kind of uh, way. And, and he always says feedback is love. Uh, you've got to give feedback at the right time, to the right person, at, in the right place, in the right way. And there's a lot of stuff that's got to go into feedback. And, um, and I think that's true for this. You got to come at it from love and you got to come at it at the right time, the right place, the right manner. Um, this is someone's child and I, I try and put myself in this person's shoes as much as possible. How would I feel if someone had to have this conversation with me? Um, this is not a conversation where I say you rip off the Band-Aid and you be blunt and you be direct. This is a conversation where you be soft and you be emotional. Um, and I typically um, don't even say go into you saying autism right away, but maybe asking um, more softer questions about um, have they been to the doctor? Um, have they heard from their pediatrician? Has the school said anything um, if there's a preschool? Um, and asking those types of questions um, um, and um, and pointing out maybe some of the things that you've noticed. Hey, I noticed this. Is this something? Is everything okay? Um, and and that's the approach I took when when I went to my friend. Um, that that's what I ended up doing is talking about. You know, I just noticed this. Um, is everything okay? Is this something that you've gone and checked out? Um, and and we started that dialogue and we started talking about not what the label was but the things that I noticed and and I just tried to come from the perspective of I love you and I love your kid and I just 
I worry and, and maybe I worry like a, a second father or or like you know like Uncle Rob should. Um, but it wasn't easy. And um, the 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 good news is that um, the conversation did not ruin the friendship and did not ruin the relationship. Um, it, it, you know, it was something that ultimately was good and ultimately, um, ultimately the child actually was not on the spectrum, but there were some delays and, uh, those delays were able to get addressed and we were able to, um, get the child, uh, the right supports. And, and that's, I think what the most important thing was. So, um, Again, I don't think there is a right way to do this. I, I think the only thing to do is is to really just come at it from love and focus in on what you're seeing versus trying to label what it is you've seen. Um, now, ultimately, if this happens and this happens and this happens um, and with nothing and with no change and with no um, movement from the parent or from your friend or 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 maybe it's from your daughter or son because you're a grandparent. Um, in those cases, you may need to be more direct. And that may be difficult, um, but coming in with some resources and with some sense of here's some doctors I think we should go to or here are some people I think we can talk to or maybe it's just uh, not a doctor right away, but just um, if you happen to have a friend or know someone um, who had to go through this or go through an eval or who has a child in the spectrum, uh, that may be a good option to uh, have a more direct conversation um, with with this person. This is something that I really encourage if anyone out there has a, has an opinion, has some advice, has a story. Um, I, you know, I think this is a really important conversation for us to keep going. So please let me know. Uh, please let us know, uh, email us, Facebook us, because I'd love to, to keep this dialogue going because it is so hard and it is so personal. Okay, uh, let's do one more question before we wrap up the show because we have a few minutes left. Um, okay, let's go with this last one. Um, someone asked at what age or stage uh, should I begin to address sexuality with my child? Um, and... That's a really hard question, uh, but it's it's one that I think is good for us to end on because it gets us thinking about the future. And you guys know me. I am all about planning, thinking for the future, looking at what our game plan is. And I think that you know one of the, the things that I've learned, um, and I learned this from a guy named Frank Cicero who's um, out of uh, the Eden Institute in Staten Island, and he um, gave this great talk about sexuality and said, you know, Rather than give you all the answers of to how to do it, because I think there are still a lot of people out there trying to figure out the best ways of doing that work for kids on the spectrum, he really focused in on the things that we don't do. And he really thought talked a lot about the playground and, and where where kids learn these things and said that uh, you know, most kids are learning from one another. And you think about a kid with autism who maybe isn't interacting socially, or maybe he has an aide at school, so this adult comes over following this kid on the playground, and all the kids are like, shh, shh, adults are coming, adults are coming. Uh, so I think it's really important to think a little bit earlier on. Think a little bit earlier on about exposure. Um, if you have a therapy team in place, um, introduce it. 
don't try and deviate too much from what other kids are doing. I mean, we think about when would a, a neurotypical child be exposed to this, and I think we want to try and um, give that same type of timetable. Now, how much you expose should be based upon where your child is. So maybe you're not ready for the full-on birds and the bees, but maybe there's some basic sanitation, hygiene um, things that are important to explore. Maybe there's some basic sexuality things that are worth exploring that you then build upon. But I think you should utilize some uh, typical development stages and really look at, okay, this is puberty. My child's going through puberty now. I should be ready to go. But in this case, maybe anticipate a bit. Puberty is on its way. Do I have a game plan for this? And then have a plan of how you're going to install it. Um, or, or implement your intervention. All right. So I have my producer and engineer telling me I'm, I am pretty much out of time. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, thank you for your questions. Um, I want to do this again. So please, 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 uh, if you have a question that you emailed us and you didn't have it answered, please email us again. Uh, the more questions I get, even if they're from the same person, the more likely I'm going to be to answer them. Um, if you haven't asked us a question, but you got something on your mind, um, I want to answer and I want to talk about it because I know you're not the only one. So email us at moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Post to our Facebook page, uh, Autism Spectrum Therapies. Um, and uh, you could even give us a call uh, if you have someone and you want to actually talk about something at 866-278-1520. I hope you guys have a fabulous week and I'll be back next week with another show. Take care. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us for another edition next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.